You're listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message at 11 a.m. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. To learn more, visit mtcarmeldemarest.com or facebook.com forward slash mtcarmeldemarest. Thanks for listening. If you take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 1. Verse 21, Romans chapter 1, verse 21. If you don't have a Bible, please uh, take a copy of God's Word sitting on the back of the pew in front of you. We want you to be able to look along with us as we preach through God's Word. And also, if you don't have one at home, take that Bible home with you. That is our gift to you. We want to equip you with God's Word. Also, uh, inside your bulletin, there's another insert for uh, sermon notes. Uh, There's blanks that you can fill in and space for notes that you can uh, write down as we go through the sermon this morning. I also want to encourage you, if you have a smartphone and you've downloaded the Bible app by YouVersion, Y-O-U, YouVersion Bible app, you can go to the More tab, tap Events, Find Mount Carmel Baptist Church, and then click Today's Sermon Title, and you'll have all the notes, quotes, and references um, much more than what's detailed out in the insert in the bulletin. And you can save that on your phone for future reference as well. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. We're just going to look at the first half of the verse. This is technically Romans part 5b, but we're just going to call it Romans part 6. And I've entitled this sermon... The most despicable crime. The most despicable crime. This past August, in 2019, the headlines read, I don't know if you remember this, the lungs of the planet are burning. The lungs of the planet are burning. And it was referring to the fires that were destroying the Amazon rainforest. Now, before I read some excerpts from an article, which I do not intend to drag through the mud from the Atlantic, I have professed before and will profess to you again that you and I have received a mandate from God revealed in Genesis 1:28 through 31 to be responsible managers of all He has created, uh, all His created resources, and with which He has blessed us. What I want to draw your attention to in the reading of the pieces of this article is how the world talks about God's created resources. Listen to how the world speaks about creation. Pay attention. The Amazon is a vast, ineffable, vital, living wonder. Shannon Peters, a geologist at the University of Wisconsin at Madison, is working to understand just how it was that our lucky planet ended up with this strange surplus of oxygen. The notion that we, quote, owe the breath we breathe to the rainforest is just a little bit misinformed on the long time scale. Now, let me recite those in case you missed them. Vast ineffable, indescribable, vital, living wonder, lucky, oh, the breath we breathe. And they're all attributed to creation. What glorious words. What wonderful words. What beautiful words. 
But, I, but my contention is they're directed toward the wrong object. In Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, Paul charges us, humanity, with crimes against God. Everybody knows God. Everybody knows there is a creator, a father, an avenger, and rewarder of all people. Everybody knows better than they live. We know God expects better from our lives. So we are without excuse. We are found guilty of deserving God's righteous wrath and anger now and forevermore. And yet, Paul is not done listing the charges against humanity. He has two more in just one half of a verse. Let's read this verse, Romans chapter 1, verse 21, just the first half of the verse. And he's speaking about you and me. For though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or show gratitude. Let's just read it one more time. For though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or show gratitude. Let's pray. Gracious God, help us fly from these sins immediately. Holy Spirit, grant me the clarity of mind and concision of speech needed for this hour. Convict us of our sin, of the righteousness of Jesus, and our imminent judgment. Grant us repentance of sin and faith in Jesus alone as our Savior in God. In Jesus' strong name and all God's people say, Amen. The very first crime that Paul charges us against in Romans chapter 12, excuse me, Romans chapter 1 verse 21, write this down, charge number one is irreverence. Irreverence. Irreverence is a lack of respect shown to God. A lack of respect shown to God. You see, knowledge of God, knowing that there is a God and that He expects better from our lives, brings with it a great responsibility. The text says they knew God and did not what? Glorify Him. We should glorify God as God. Now, what does it mean to glorify or give glory to God? To glorify or to give glory to God simply means to give God the honor that is due to Him. Give Him the praise that is due to Him. He has a reputation. It's really to confess what is true of His reputation. And so far, what the Bible has revealed in Romans chapter 1 in this particular Bible passage is that this God has eternal power and that He is God. We summed it up this way. Creation reveals to us there is a God and what's the second part of the message? You're not Him. To give glory to God just in the most minimal sense is simply to shout back to God, to cry back to God this, you're God and I'm not. That's where the basic fundamental giving glory to God begins. Church, let me ask you this, is He worthy of that praise? Yes, it is due to Him. It's what belongs to Him. The least we can say or acknowledge is that He is God and we're not. 
Every creature owes God that much. And what does this text say? We don't give it. We don't glorify Him. We're irreverent. Now, the question is this. How have we been irreverent? How have we shown a lack of respect to God? I don't think you have thought through the lengths humanity will go in order to trace any good thing in our life to some other source than God. Humanity can get quite imaginative about what's responsible for the good things in our life other than God. Are you ready for this? Spurgeon put it this way, and this is back in the 1850s, by the way. Swarms of people attribute everything that is great and wonderful to nature. They talk forever of the beauties of nature, the grandeur of nature, the laws of nature. What are the laws of nature but the ordinary ways in which God works? We attribute to nature a sort of power apart from the presence of the Creator. I fear the term nature is only useful for enabling people to talk of creation without ever being compelled to mention their Creator. We'll talk of its beauty. Nature's beautiful. Nature's glorious. And we're doing that, why? Just so we can't say, God is beautiful. God is glorious. Before we will give glory to God that's due to Him, we will give it to nature. Just remember to cite the source. I have no problem saying there's beautiful nature and nature is, is glorious, but remember from whom it comes. We often attribute our prosperity to, quote, good fortune. Some of us talk of chance. Some speak of fate. Others propose, and I've heard it even among Christians, they're just lucky. No, you weren't. We're not just lucky. It's not good fortune. It's not chance. It's not fate. It's the hand of an almighty God, my friend. Stop adopting any phrase which will help you clear your language of giving glory to God. Don't call it anything else but His sovereign hand in providence. It's ultimately Him. And then the height of our hypocrisy is that some of us may say we are self-made. They attribute their prosperity and good fortune to their hard work and their good luck. Who gave you that strength to work? Who made your brains? Who gave you the opportunity? Self-made is ungodly, vile, and wicked. There are only God-made men and God-made women. Spurgeon concludes, his thoughts on this. If there be anything about us that is worth the having, it must be from Him. From every good gift and every perfect gift has evermore descended. Did you catch it? There's only one direction this has worked. It's descending to us. Let us therefore give Him glory. Now think about this. Paul is speaking to unbelievers if unbelievers are without excuse and owe that much to God how much more so believers 
It is true that we know more than them. Christians, do you know God? We know him. To us, the name of God is familiar. The gospel of God trumpets through this church. You are holding in your hands the blessed pages of the Bible. The Holy Spirit has enlightened your conscience, and yet we don't give him the glory that he's due. We never adore him, worship him with the love of our hearts. We go to church, we sing the hymns, we may even have family devotions at home, but our hearts have never adored the living God with a living love. If we do not delight in God, you don't enjoy it, or are satisfied in some way, I'm letting you know right now, you don't rightly adore or glorify Him. I'm talking about from the heart, folks. Dare we, Christians, call God our God and then act towards Him as though He were not worthy of a thought, an affection, a feeling, a tear, or heaven forbid in a Baptist church, a shout. May God help us. We ain't done. Look at the second half of the half of that verse. <laughs> and neither were what? Grateful. They did not show gratitude. We are guilty of a great sin before God. And that sin, crime number two, is ingratitude. Ingratitude. I tremble both for myself and you when I see ingratitude set in front and center of all the sins listed in Romans 1. Now, if you're not familiar with Romans 1, go read it. It is a horrifying picture of humanity's predicament with sin. It gets real nasty real quick. But I want you to see what's the first symptom or sign that we know God and won't glorify Him as God. We don't show Gratitude or thanks. And gratitude is the refusal or the failure to acknowledge receiving something good from God. The refusal or the failure to acknowledge receiving something good from God. Why should everybody, including unbelievers, right? We're talking about everybody, all of humanity. Why should they give thanks to God? Let's think about it for a minute. Let's use some, our reason and our logic. Everybody knows there is a creator, a father, an avenger, and a rewarder of all people. And you're not him. So if you're not the creator, then you're the what? Say it. Creation. And if you're the creature, then you're dependent upon who for your existence? Creator, the God. Your breath, your movement, your food, your shelter, your clothing, they have all come from the hand of God. And this is irrespective of your relationship to Him. You may come in today, you don't identify as a Christian, a believer, or a disciple. And I want you to know the Creator of the universe has still sustained you and preserved you. Without any feeling or fault toward Him, He did that toward you. 
He is just as much, church, ready, this makes me rejoice. He is just as much the sustainer and preserver uh, to the unbeliever as he is to those who call him father. Wow, what an amazing, good God. A part of not glorifying God is just simply not tracing all the good things back to God. That's what it means. We just won't or we refuse or we fail to trace every good thing in our life back to God. And this is not simple. This is simple to deduce because why? We're the creation. He's the creator. He is a necessary being. He is self-sustaining. He needs nothing to exist. We are the exact opposite. We're contingent, dependent beings, meaning this, the universe can go on with or without our existence. So if we're here, it must be by His good will and pleasure. I like what Brother Tommy Smith prayed on a Wednesday night. It caught me, and I wrote it, typed it out. He just said this in his prayer to God. He says, a simple mind can be thankful. It don't, it, you don't have to be brilliant to figure out you're not God. And then every good thing must be from Him. That's believer or unbeliever. But why are we so ungrateful? Why, would, why do we refuse or fail to see the many blessings that we live in day in and day out? We bite the invisible hand that feeds us because to acknowledge it means there is a God and we have to live right. Right? Because if you, hey, if you all of a sudden feel gratitude towards someone else out there, what does that entail? You're suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. It's a moral decision. It is. If I'm thankful to God, that means I know God. If I'm thankful to God, that means I know of something that I should render to Him. Oh, heaven forbid it opened the box and you realize what all's do to Him. So what should we do? Don't acknowledge it. Look away. Find another source. How have we been ungrateful? How have we refused or failed to acknowledge receiving something good from God? Well, let's start with this. We receive many blessings every day without noticing them or even seeming to know where they came from. Can I go ahead and confess something today? And it happened to me today. Today. I go and jump in my car. It won't crank. It is clearly the battery. This morning. And you know how this works? Like it crawls up your spine into your mind. Like, today? And my heart's bending. I mean, I can just feel it going like, I want to complain. I want to let everybody know how miserable I am because I've got this on my mind now. And in some weird way, I'm kind of doing that. But <laughs> I'll sit in my office. I kind of write out a prayer. I have to write it down because the church is so crazy on Sunday mornings. If I don't write it down, I can't do it. And I thought to myself, God was able to bring this to my mind. Josh, did you not get out of your car, get into another one, and drive right to church? Did that occur to me in that moment? I mean, you got two cars, right? Some of, I mean, there are people in the world who goes, I'd love to have a car. I'd, I'll take your broken car. But in that moment, I couldn't even see the blessing. Like, it was right next to my car. Like, there it is. 
If we happen to count our mercies, we are destitute of manifest thankfulness. God hears no song of gratitude, no chirp of praise. The birds of the air, the dumb cattle, the fishes of the sea, the rocks on the shore give more thanks to their maker than we do. Just ask you, don't raise your hands. Have you ever taken up a single ten minutes with the tale of the Lord's kindness to you? Have you ever just like, I'm sorry, but I'm going to tell you how, God, how good God is today. You're going to have to sit here and let's do it. Especially in the church house. My wife, long time ago, she found this question, and it has, man, every time it comes back up, I hate thinking about it because it's so convicting. And it's this question, if you woke up today with only what you thank God for yesterday, what would you have? Anybody want to thank God right now that he is better than what we deserve? <laughs> he is better than what we pray for and what we imagine? But it's true, our mouths are full of anything rather than the goodness of our God. In fact, we tend to dwell on, and I'm here, I'm, I'm confessing it, dwell on and talk the most about what we have not got. Shame on our wicked lips. Ingratitude may seem like a small thing, but it is the first sign that we have taken a step away from God. The first sign that we have taken a step away from God is ingratitude. Look at the unthankful person. Some of y'all know, you know I'm talking about that person that always complains, they can find something wrong with everything. Look at the unthankful person. Listen to them talk. Nobody's character is safe around that person, right? If they'll malign the character of God and not render gratitude to him, you think they're going to give thanks to somebody else? No. There is no neighbor that they will not slander or gossip in the church or outside the church. There's no Christian whom they won't represent. And it all begins with what? An unthankful heart. But what happens when you glorify God as God and you're thankful for everything? Then you can take up a bit of bread and a cup of cold water, like what Spurgeon said, as that old Puritan said, with a, cup of bre a, a, a piece of bread and a cup of cold water, the Puritan said what? All this in Christ too? Then you're really happy. And you know what I found? Those people know how to make other people happy. The downward spiral into depravity all begins with ingratitude. To forget to thank God for all that he is and all that he has done reveals a dangerous and deceptive self-centeredness. It opens Pandora's box, which is revealed in the rest of Romans 1. An unthankful spirit is, at bottom, an atheistic spirit. A refusal to acknowledge God. Why is ingratitude so ungodly, so vile, so wicked? I like what William George Jordan wrote. Listen, ingratitude is a crime more despicable than revenge. Revenge is only returning evil for evil. Ingratitude returns evil for good. That's where it starts. Ingratitude is spitting in the face of our Creator. Is there any help 
<laughs> well, not in this particular passage, there's not. Remember, Paul's point is to paint the predicament we're in. So you've got to go back. Look at verses 16 and 70, 17. Paul tells why he's so eager to get to Rome to help with the predicament. He says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation, delivering from danger to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Here's what I want you to write down. What are we to do? Remember the remedy. So knowing what we know from uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 21, we know that creation speaks of God and that we're not Him and that we can easily deduce if we're not Him and yet we have all these things, this God has been good to us and we should then give thanks to Him. But it's amazing that because we're so blind and cold-hearted and irreverent, that the only thing that can break the backs of irreverence and ingratitude was the sacrifice of God's Son. That should tell you something. That the only thing, isn't it true, that can get humanity's attention to say, glorify God, give thanks to God, He has to put His Son on a cross. Because there's something about the cross that when we do dwell on it, it does elicit gratitude, doesn't it? It does elicit a holy irreverence for God. Only the gift of salvation in the gospel of Jesus can break the backs of irreverence and ingratitude. That's why saints, even you, you may know the gospel. You have to preach the gospel continually to yourself. Why? Because you'll want to get your focus on circumstances and not on the cross. The cross is the ultimate demonstration of God's love for you. The world around you can be disastrous, and you, you can look on the cross and say, there's a God who loves me, and has been good to me. Irreverence and ingratitude are part and parcel of our sinful nature, so we need a new nature. We need to become a new creation that can give glory and give thanks to our Creator, and God has made a way to make us new again, and that comes through His Son, Jesus. The creation's broken. The creator's not. So God goes, what if I make a new creation? And he's done it in Christ. Jesus Christ died for your sinfulness. He died for your lack of reverence, your irreverence, your ingratitude. He took all the sins of the world, bore it on his shorter shoulders, and in blood and cross made the payment for God's wrath that's hanging over every person's head. And he did it out of tremendous love for you. And to prove, I mean, to demonstrate that this is God's love in Christ, taking you and reconciling you to himself. God raised him from the dead and gave him a name above every name. There's only one name under heaven by which you can be saved, be brought back to relationship with God, and delivered from the dangers of God's wrath. And that man is Jesus. He sits at the right hand of God the Father. You can call out to him now and be saved. Made a new creature ready to give glory to God and give Him thanks. There are some here today at this very moment who are still not weak in the knees before our holy God. I beg you, bow down and bless His holy name. The best way that an unbeliever can give glory to God today is to confess that they are a sinner and trust Jesus, God's Son, as their Savior. That's what he wants. You want to give glory to God today? Just come to him and say, I am a sinner. 
I have not glorified you, and I am ungrateful, and I deserve your wrath, but you are still good. Thank you for your love, for your son, the gift of salvation, the resurrection. I believe it, I receive it, and make me a new creation, and God will do it. And next, let us begin right now, right now, to be very thankful to God. Let us praise God for common mercies, for they prove to be uncommonly precious. Bless God for your existence. Bless God that you were able to get up and then get in here. Bless God for your reason. Bless God for an open Bible. Bless God for His throne of grace. Bless Him for His Son. Bless Him for His Spirit. Bless Him that you're His child. Bless Him that for what you've received. Bless Him for what He's promised. Bless Him for your past. Bless Him for your present. Bless Him for your future. Bless Him in every way, for everything, at all times, and in all places. Let all that is within us bless His holy name. Thanks for listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. Please join us this Sunday at 11 a.m. To plan your visit, go to mtcarmeldemarest.com.